Blog Talk Radio. All right. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Today, we're talking about vaccine ignorance, and we're going to talk specifically about measles and polio. Half hour. Now, um, when we're talking about vaccine ignorance, Let's go over some things today, okay, in this little half-hour show, and we're going to cover it tonight, and we're going to cover it um, tomorrow. But what if I was to tell you, because if you're of the mindset that vaccines are safe and effective, uh, what if you had journal articles that said, oh, my God, the polio vaccine is causing uh, an, an increased rate of a deadlier form of polio? If you thought that measles and polio are deadly diseases, we're going to cover that. Um, vaccines supposedly have saved our people from measles and polio. Did they, or are the vaccines causing it? And you might think the vaccine schedule is well-studied and based in science. But the, the big precursor to this, since this whole month we're talking about immune system, uh, does your unvaccinated child put um, another child who's vaccinated in danger? And we're going to clear up the vaccine autism controversy. Now, first, uh, you're going to see a number of studies, and we're going to present certain studies here. Now, what happens when you have one study that shows that vaccines are safe and effective, another study that shows that vaccines are dangerous and a causative factor in autism? Well, first, you have to look at who's funding the study, why was the study done, and when they do a placebo control, what was in the placebo? That's right. They've been using active placebos now since the early 2000s. That means that it has um, a certain uh, effect on the body, a known effect. However, things that are not asked. uh, Now, let's say you have a a therapy group of 1,000 people and you have one death. You have a control group of 1,000 people and two deaths. So this sample size of 2,000 people, 1,000 get a therapy, 1,000 don't get a therapy, and you have two deaths in the control group and one death in the therapy group, you could say there's relative and absolute. Now, the relative benefit is 50% reduction in death rates. However, how long do those people live? Okay, there's one cholesterol study that shows that the people that went through the study had about a 50% less rate of death. However, they only lived about three months longer. See, we're not creating a group of immortals. Okay, so the relative um, or the advertised one, they used the relative rate, uh, relative value, which was 50% reduction in death. However, the absolute value, the honest-to-goodness number, was one in a 1,000. And so that means the number needed to treat, you need to treat 999 people with this therapy um, to benefit one person. So a lot of the things, what are the side effects? How long was the study? What are the confounding factors like age, diet, stress? So a lot of these studies are, are done. Who's funding it? See, scientists are people too. When you're working with science, these people have an agenda. No, no one is doing pure, pure science anymore. Uh, you have a boss. You have somebody that's coming in, funding the study, that says, look, we want to pr- prove this. 
uh, so the studies are skewed. But let's look at herd immunity. This is something that people that are ignorant about vaccine science. Herd immunity uh, was coined by this researcher, um, A.W. Hedrick. Now, he studied epidemiology of measles. And epidemiology study, it's, it's for trends. And he studied the group of measles between 1900 and 1931. He published his data in the American Journal of Epidemiology in 1933. And he concluded that when 68% of the children uh, younger than 15 had become immune to measles, that the infection stopped. Uh, so here's it's an observational study. Now, however, we're talking today about herd immunity in a totally different fashion. For one, we're not talking about the temporary decline in disease from the vaccination, and we're not talking how the viral shedding from the vaccine can actually spread disease. So the original herd immunity was done on a population of unvaccinated children. And this is why the 68% mark um, was a wave. All of these kids got sick. 68%, 68%, and then, so the illness was dying down anyway. And we're seeing vaccinated groups of up to 99% in China that don't have herd immunity. Okay, well, they, they've all been vaccinated and they're still getting sick. So when we look at our current rate, we're talking 54% of our children have a chronic illness or disease. Uh, current rate of autism is about 1 in 48 now, we're ranked 77th in the world for infant mortality. Autism is on the rise. Now, uh, I encourage you to watch the movie Vaxxed. Now, Vaxxed, it talks about how the CDC did a study. Remember how we were talking about the studies? Well, this showed that there was a 340% increase in autism. But they worked the numbers and crunched the numbers um, so that the study would appear that vaccines don't cause autism. However, so, so what's the deal with this? Um, why are we getting all of these vaccines? Well, first, in 1986, children were getting 23 doses of seven vaccines. Now, this was so deadly, and so many lawsuits were going before that these companies were running out of business that they passed a law to make it illegal to sue the manufacturers of these vaccines. So in 1986, the law was passed. And then in 97, it went from 23 doses to 33 doses of nine vaccines to 69 doses of 16 vaccines. Now it's 72 doses of 17 vaccines. That's right. We didn't make the product safer. We just added it. So now let's just look at measles. And now, in 1900, we're talking nutrient deficiencies, no refrigeration, poor road system, poor sanitation. Um, there was about 130 deaths per 100,000 people. Okay, and that's with no, no infrastructure. In 1963, uh, you're talking less than one death per 100,000. Um, from measles, and this was before the vaccine. So the death rates for measles fell by 99%. So when we look at the history of measles, we talk about how the vaccines were formed. Now, the, the vaccine, and this is out of the MMR, 
um, the measles, mumps, and rubella. They actually use chicken embryo cultures. Uh, they use human uh, diploid lung fibroblasts. Okay, so this is uh, lung tissue from humans, um, from aborted human fetals, and they use fetal cell bovine. So they're injecting all of this into uh, your child. Now, in 2000, there was a congressional hearing by, doc, by Republican Dan Burton, and a tremendous amount of people came in linking a science, using scientific evidence linking vaccinations to the dramatic rise of autism. And we're going to have a number of quotes there, but what they're mainly looking at is they found the measles virus in guts. And this is John O'Leary, a molecular biologist, found in 96% of autistic kids as opposed to 6% of kids without the disease. Um, uh, Mary Megson, a medical doctor, who also explained that autistic kids have a total lack of vitamin A. Um, when we look at Dr. Singh, who pre again presented at this um, case uh, in 2000, 400 cases of autism that found that these kids experienced an autoimmune episode where their own uh, antibodies attack their nervous system. Uh, so we're looking at all of these scientists um, presenting that the the scientific data, and this was 18 years ago, however, it didn't go anywhere. Why? Because the number of vaccines had been steadily increasing. Well, what they found, and this is from 1965 on, they found a new phenomenon that was only in the vaccinated people, uh, where it was called atypical measles. Now, I want you to remember this one because atypical measles is still around. And it was much more deadly, carried a very high mortality rate. And the authors uh, followed um, 386 children who'd received three doses of the measles vaccine. And of these 386 children, uh, 54 developed measles and uh, 125 actually uh, were damaged. So this new vaccine, atypical measles, occurred in only the vaccinated one. Now, atypical measles has been around. Uh, there are studies from 1965, 67, 79, um, and it goes up until 1992 uh, when they found 152 measles outbreaks in school-age kids occurring among persons who received the measles vaccine. And what they're expecting is every two to three years, there's an upsurge of measles irrespective of vaccine compliance. So the vaccine doesn't really protect people. Now, when we look at antibodies, now antibodies is how they measure if a vaccine is effective. Now, according to the Journal of Virology in 2000, uh, they demonstrate that antibodies play little or no role in controlling viral infections. So when you're talking about a measles virus or chickenpox virus, uh, they, the measuring antibody response to the vaccine doesn't really show that it's going to respond to this virus. There's even patients with a congenital anomaly called A-gamma globulinemia. They can't make antibodies. And this was published in The Lancet in 1968. It turns out that these kids who couldn't produce antibodies contracted measles in the normal fashion um, with the usual sequence of symptoms and signs. Now, 
um, we're going to go over a number of the different adjuvants inside of the, the measles uh, vaccine, the measles, mumps, and rubella. And we're going to talk about a safety review committee talking about an epidemiologic study. And I brought this study up because I think it's important. Um, let me quote from the study. Because epidemiologic evidence lacks the precision to assess rare occurrences of a response to the measles, mumps, and rubella leading to autism spectrum disorder. And the proposed biologic models linking the MMR to, to vaccines or the, the MMR vaccine to autism, uh, it's far from established. It has not been disproven. So they're saying that the studies that people are using are not um, going to show the problem because it's an epidemiologic study, which isn't even designed to show the cause. Now, when you look at human experimental toxicology, you know, they reviewed all of the vaccine adverse event reportings uh, from 1990 to 2010, and they found out that safety studies have not been conducted to determine the safety or efficacy of administering multiple vaccine doses. They also found out that the younger and smaller a kid and the more vaccines they got, the more damage they, t they received. Um, we're also going to bring up journal articles from the Journal of Neuroscience that says that vaccines alter fetal development, it increases seizure susceptibility, it pr promotes autism spectrum disorder. If you look at the National Institute of Health, um, write this article down. Quote, this is the title of the article, A Positive Association uh, Found Between Autism Prevalence and Childhood Vaccine Uptake Across the U.S. Population. Uh, National Institute of Health. Then you look at um, a Journal of Toxicology, Increased Rates of Autism Spectrum Disorders. Uh, autism, autism Disorder Prevalence uh, Directly Related to the Vaccines. Now, so that's the measles. Now let's look at the polio. In 1984, okay, now remember, this was before they passed the liability law in America. Uh, this is out of Rules and Regulations, page 23,007, uh, <laughs> published June 1, 1984. Quote, any possible doubts, whether or not well-founded, about the safety of the polio vaccine cannot be allowed to exist in the need to assure that the vaccine will continue to be used to the maximum extent. That's right. Any possible doubts, whether or not well-founded, about the safety of the polio vaccine cannot be allowed to exist and need to assure that the vaccine continue to be used to the maximum extent. End of quote. So, how deadly is the polio? So, if you go to the cdc.gov site and ask about polio, they have very good statistics. Now, remember, polio, iron lung, how was it? Well, did you know that 99% of everybody that got polio recovered with no symptoms? And in fact, 95% of everyone infected with polio have no symptoms. About 4 to 8% have minor symptoms, such as fever, nausea, fatigue, flu-like symptoms, stiffness in the back, pain in the lungs. Now, fewer than 1% of polio cases resulted in permanent paralysis, and of those that um, had paralysis, so 1% had that, 
one-tenth of one percent died. So we're talking 99% of everyone that got polio recovered with no symptoms. Now, wouldn't it behoove us to look at um, what that 1% was doing? Were they nutrient deficient? Well, let's look at the uh, Journal of Infectious Disease, 2005. They say that the outbreaks of polio in China, Egypt, Haiti, Madagascar are caused by the vaccine-derived polio virus. Now, worldwide, 70-80% of all of the world children receive three routine doses of pertussis tetanus, or the DPT shot, and three doses of the oral polio in their first year of life. Now, that 80% is important. Uh, because they go on to say that the vaccine-associated paralytic polio was recognized right after the oral polio vaccine. It's called viral shedding. It actually spreads polio because when you get the vaccine, you can spread it through tears, sputum, fecal material. Um, and they even say the time is coming when the only cause of polio is likely to be the vaccine used to prevent it. Now, in India, uh, they're finding out a massive rise, massive rise, okay, with um, non-polio acute flaccid paralysis. This is directly related to the shot. In 2011, there were 47,000 cases. Um, and now, remember, this is a country that had an average around 1,200 cases of polio, but polio from the shot is massively increasing. So then let's look at 2015, the Journal of Pediatrics. This is from the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they looked at the trends of non-polio acute flaccid paralysis. This is polio from the shot. Okay, now they go on to state follow-up of these cases of non-polio acute flaccid paralysis is not done routinely. And they're saying 35% of the patients were having residual paralysis. 35%. What do we just say about wild polio? 1%. Now, 8.5% died. What do we say about wild polio? One-tenth of 1% died. Now, this suggests that the pathology in children um, being registered to have, having non-polio acute flaccid paralysis cannot be considered trivial. No kidding. We're talking over 10 times the death rate. The conclusion of this article, now this should be in every, um, we're talking every news station should be airing this. Conclusions, the incident of non-polio acute flaccid paralysis was strongly associated with the number of oral polio vaccine doses delivered to the area. A dose-response relationship with cumulative doses over the years was observed, which strengthens the hypothetical relationship between polio vaccine and non-polio acute flaccid paralysis. In fact, non-polio acute flaccid paralysis, the disease caused by the vaccine, the rate went down for the first time in 2012 when they decreased the number of oral polio vaccine doses. Um, and they said that that is evidence of a causative factor between oral polio vaccine and non-polio acute passive paralysis. We've got a chart that we're going to pr present that shows the actual wild confirmed cases of polio, okay, the total confirmed cases of polio, and the acute flaccid paralysis. It's insane. Um, now, according to the Journal of Indian Medical Ethics, they're aware of this, and they say, 
Um, though this data was collected with polio surveillance system, it was not investigated. The principle of first do no harm was violated. If the world learns to be wary of such um, vertical programs in the future, vertical programs mean you're causing the problem. Now, viral shedding, the, the polio vaccine can shed the polio virus, this synthetic version, okay, that's inside of the vaccine, through saliva, urine, stool, tears, vomit. And then we have from the Royal Society, in for higher levels of vaccination greater than 80% and moderate levels of waning immunity uh, greater than 30 years, large-scale epidemics can be introduced. We are reaching that. Now, the va polio vaccine that I got, okay, that I personally got back in the early 60s, According to the Journal of Lancet, 2002, the polio vaccine is responsible for up to half of the 55,000 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cases a year because it was grown in monkey kidney tissue and still is. Now, it's also, so this polio vaccine, not only is it causing polio in, in different areas of the world, causing polio, but a deadlier form that's 10 times deadlier, it's also implicated in lung cancer, brain cancer, bone cancers, lymphatic cancers. This is crazy. When you look at the, um, the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine for over 20 years, she was aware of how the data is being doctored. Uh, quote, it's simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that's published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I've reached slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine. Amazing, because the, they're, they're pushing forward agendas. Let's look at Dr. Richard Horton who's the editor-in-chief of Lancet, European, I mean, brilliant. Quote, a lot of published research is in fact unreliable at best, if not completely false. Uh, the case against science is straightforward. Much of the scientific literature, perhaps half, may be simply untrue. Afflicted by studies with small sample size, tiny effects, invalid exploratory analysis, flagrant conflicts of interest, together with an obsession for pursuing fashionable trends of dubious importance, science has taken a turn towards darkness. It's mind-blowing. And you might say, could this be real? Could we be in the worst epidemic with more than half of our children suffering a chronic illness or disease purely from ignorance? It is. Now, um, what's happened since 1986? Since 1986, uh, infant mortality rates in America and maternal mortality rates are higher now, today, than in 1986. Um, think of this, because back then it was illegal to give a pregnant woman um, vaccines during the pregnancy because there's no pregnant animal studies. <sighs> America has the worst infant mortality rate of all developed nations when six out of every thousand babies die before their first birthday. 
Now, America has one of the highest childhood vaccination rates in the world and one of the lowest infectious disease rates in the world. However, we're dying at a faster rate. Now, when we look at this, maternal mortality in the U.S. has become one of the worst of all industrialized nations. Between 12 and 28 women per 100,000 die within the first year of giving birth. Now, the maternal mortality rate, women dying after childbirth, has more than doubled since 1990-2013. When we look at, in 2015, about half of the nation's pregnant women, we're talking 2 million women, were either vaccinated with a a diphtheria, pertussis, and um, tetanus, the DTP shot. Uh, So that's like 42% or the influenza vaccine before uh, or during pregnancy. About half received both vaccines. Now this is completely unproven, untested. It's insane. So when you look at the benefits, that's right, the benefits of actually getting these vaccines, um, it actually protects you from certain Uh, diseases. Like if you actually get measles, you have less rates of AIDS or HIV. If you get measles, which you have a recovery from of more than 99%, particularly if you have sufficient nutrients and supplements, um, like vitamin A, which is how they used to treat um, measles, uh, your body develops um, a healthier response. If you look at the frontiers in psychiatry of child and adolescent psychiatry, now they suggest a link between influenza vaccine and anorexia nervosa diagnosis. They're talking about a direct neuropsychiatric disorders and their association with vaccines. It's amazing. They're saying that the vaccines are linked to anorexia nervosa, obsessive-compulsive disorders, tic disorders, attention deficit disorder, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorders, all the end result of these vaccines. Now, this is not my opinion. These are all the journal articles. Now, I'm going to be putting up hundreds of references to go through. Think of this. Since 1986, when they passed the liability law, and they had to pass the liability law because these companies had so many lawsuits. When you're talking, it went from 23 doses uh, to 72 doses by the first 18 years. We did not make the vaccine safer. We just made it impossible to sue the manufacturer of their product. we got to take a second look at this. Bring back liability. Bring back product liability. That's it. Give vaccines the same um, rigorous studies that other medications need to go through. Vaccines are not done on double-blind placebo-controlled trials. They're comparing one vaccine with another vaccine. And we already know the studies are manipulated. Even when you look at the studies from the editor of New England Journal of Medicine and the editor of Lancet, and we know how they're manipulating the studies. I encourage everyone to read the book, The Doctoring of the Data. And this is probably one of the best books that I've read in a long time. But it's brilliant because this doc is going through to say, look at the data samples. Um, These scientists have an agenda. Now, it's immoral 
immoral to fire you from a practice if you refuse a medical procedure. Medical procedures should be up to you. It is your body. Okay, whether you choose to do or not do a medical procedure is not going to affect those around you. We know herd immunity, the way that people are presenting it, is insane. It has no basis in science. People are suggesting about herd immunity only because they have an agenda. Uh, we know that in 1933, when they coined the term herd immunity, they were talking about groups of unvaccinated children. This is all going to be presented tonight. It'll be on our Facebook. It'll be on our YouTube account. I encourage you to get on there. Uh, go to drjohnbergman.com. Okay, check out our, our cruise. It's going to be next year. I'm trying to get Dr. Andrew Wakefield to go on the cruise, uh, which would be uh, brilliant. And we're going to talk about also how to detox from the toxic assault that our kids have been exposed to. Uh, in California, you can get your child away from vaccines and get them an exemption by doing a 23andMe test that costs around 100 bucks. Uh, you're looking for certain genetic uh, variances, uh, and then you can present that to a doctor that's still thinking, that's not just a sheeple, that's following off some un unscientifically based protocols and forcing a medical procedure onto you and your kid. There's still some good doctors out there. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. Ed educate before you vaccinate. Educate before you vaccinate. Realize that these studies and the population is getting sicker and you cannot believe the science that is backing up some of these procedures. God bless you. I love you. Look in the mirror and smile because you are made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, the truth is on your side. <laughs>